Chapter 42 of Phantom Fortune, a novel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Phantom Fortune, a novel by Mary Elizabeth Brandon. Chapter 42, Shall It Be? While Lord Hartfield sat in his friend's office in Great George Street reading the life story of Gomez de Montesma, told with the cruel precision and the unvarnished language of a criminal indictment the hero of that history was gliding round the spacious ballroom of the cows club with lady lesbia hazeldon's dark brown head almost reclining on his shoulder her violet eyes looking up at his every now and then shyly entrancingly as he bent his head to talk to her the squadron ball was in full swing between midnight and the first hour of morning the flowers had not lost their freshness the odors of dust and feverish human breath had not yet polluted the atmosphere the windows were open to the purple night the purple sea the stars seemed to be close outside the veranda shining on purpose for the dancers and these two the man tall pale dark with flashing eyes and short sleek raven hair small head noble bearing the girl divinely lovely in her marble purity of complexion her classical grace of form these two were as every one avowed and acknowledged the handsomest couple in the room were none of us in it compared with them said a young naval commander to his partner whereupon the young lady looked somewhat sourly and replied that lady lesbia's features were undeniably regular and her complexion good but that she was wanting in soul is she asked the sailor incredulously look at her now what do you call that if it isn't soul i call it simply disgraceful answered his partner sharply turning away her face lesbia was looking up at the spaniard her lips faintly parted all her face listening eagerly as she caught some whispered word breathed among the soft ripples of her hair from lips that almost touched her brow people cannot go on waltzing for ten minutes in a dead silence like automatic dancers there must be conversation only it is better that the lips should do most of the talking when the eyes have so much to say society is apt to be censorious mr smithson was smoking a cigarette on the lawn with the sporting peer a man to whom tobacco is a necessity cannot be always on guard but it is quite possible that in the present state of lady lesbia's feelings smithson would have had no restraining influence had he been ever so watchful to what act in the passion drama had her love come to-night as she floated round the room with her head inclined towards her lover's breast the strong pulsation of his heart sounded in her ear like the rhythmical beat of the basses yonder in waterfell's last waltz was there still the uncertainty as to the denouement which marks the third act of a good play or was there the dread foreboding the sense of impending doom which should stir the spectators with pity and terror as the fourth act hurries to its passionate close who could tell she had been full of life and energy to-day on board the yacht during the racing in which she seemed to take an ardent interest the cayman had followed the racers for three hours through a freshening sea much to lady kirkbank's disgust and lesbia had been the soul of the party the same yesterday the yacht had only got back to cows in time for the ball and all had been hurry and excitement while the ladies dressed and crossed to the club the spray dashing over their opera mantles poor lady kirkbank's complexion yellow with mal de mer in spite of a double coating of blanc de fredora the last fashionable cosmetic to-night lesbia was curiously silent depressed even as it seemed to those who were interested in observing her and all the world is interested in a famous beauty she was very pale even her lips were colourless 
and the large violet eyes and firmly penciled brows alone gave color to her face she looked like a marble statue the eyes and eyebrows accentuated with touches of color those lovely eyes had a heavy look as of trouble weariness nay absolute distress never had she looked less brilliant than to-night never had she looked more beautiful it was the loveliness of a newly awakened soul the wonderful pandora casket of life with its infinite evil its little good had given up its secret she knew what passionate love really means she knew what such love mostly means self-sacrifice surrender of the world's wealth severance from friends the breaking of all old ties to love as she loved means the crossing of a river more fatal than the rubicon the casting of a die more desperate than that which caesar flung upon the board when he took up arms against the republic the river was not yet crossed but her feet were on the margin wet with the ripple of the stream the fatal die was not yet cast but the dice-box was in her hand ready for the throw lesbia and montesma danced together not too often three waltzes out of sixteen but when they were so waltzing they were the cynosure of the room that betting of which Malrevier had heard was rife to-night and the odds upon the cuban had gone up it was nine to four now that those two would be over the border before the week was out mr smithson was not neglectful of his affianced he took her into the supper-room where she drank some moselle cup but ate nothing he sat out three or four waltzes with her on the lawn listening to the murmur of the sea and talking very little you are looking wretchedly ill to-night lesbia he said after a dismal silence i am sorry that i should put you to shame by my bad looks she answered with that keen acidity of tone which indicates irritated nerves you know that i don't mean anything of the kind you are always lovely always the loveliest everywhere but i don't like to see you so ghastly pale i suppose i am over-fatigued that i have done too much in london and here life in westmoreland was very different she added with a sigh and a touch of wonder that the lesbia hazeldin whose methodical life had never been stirred by a ruffle of passion could have been the same flesh and blood yes verily the same woman whose heart throbbed so vehemently to-night whose brain seemed on fire are you sure there is nothing the matter he asked with a faint quiver in his voice what should there be the matter who can say god knows that i know no cause for evil i am honest enough and faithful enough lesbia but your face to-night is like a presage of calamity like the dull livid sky that goes before a thunderstorm i hope there is no thunderbolt coming she answered lightly what very tall talk about a headache for really that is all that ails me hark they have begun my queen i am engaged for this waltz i am sorry for that so am i i would ever so much rather have stayed out here two hours later in the steely morning light when sea and land and sky had a metallic look as if lit by electricity lady lesbia stood with her chaperone and her affianced husband on the landing stage belonging to the club ready to step into the boat in which six swarthy seamen in red shirts and caps were to row them back to the yacht mr smithson drew the warm sorte de ball with its gold-coloured satin lining and white fox border closer round lesbia's slender form you are shivering he said you ought to have warmer wraps this is warm enough for st petersburg i am only tired very tired the k-man will walk you to sleep don gomez was standing close by waiting for his host the two men were to walk up the hill to formosa a village with a classic portico delightfully situated above the town what time are we to come to breakfast asked mr smithson not too early in mercy's name two o'clock in the afternoon three four why not make it five combine breakfast with afternoon tea exclaimed lady kirkbank with a tremendous yawn i never was so thoroughly fagged i feel as if i had been beaten with sticks vasty what's its name 
She was leaning all her weight upon Mr. Smithson as he handed her down the steps and into the boat. Her normal weight was not a trifle, and this morning she was heavy with champagne and sleep. Carefully as Smithson supported her, she gave a lurch at the bottom of the steps and plunged ponderously into the boat, which dipped and careened under her, whereat she shrieked and implored Mr. Smithson to save her. All this occupied some minutes and gave Lesbia and the Cuban just time for a few words that had to be said somehow. Good night, said Montesma as they clasped hands. Good night. And then in a lower voice he said, Well, have you decided at last? Shall it be? She looked at him for a moment or so, pale in the starlight, and then murmured an almost inaudible syllable, Yes. He bent down quickly and pressed his lips upon her gloved hand, and when Mr. Smithson looked round, they too were standing apart, Montesma in a listless attitude, as if tired or waiting for his host. It was Smithson who handed Lesbia into the boat and arranged her wraps, and hung over her tenderly as he performed those small offices. Now really, he asked just before the boat put off, when are we to be with you tomorrow? Lady Kirkbank says not till afternoon tea, but I think you may come a few hours earlier. I am not at all sleepy. You look as if you needed sleep badly, answered Smithson. I'm afraid you are not half careful enough of yourself. Good night. The boat was gliding off, the oars dipping as he spoke. How swiftly it shot from his ken, flashing in and out among the yachts, where the lamps were burning dimly in the clear radiance of newborn day. Montesma gave a tremendous yawn as he took out his cigar case, and he and Mr. Smithson did not say twenty words between them during the walk to Formosa, where servants were sitting up, lamps burning, a great silver tray, with brandy, soda, liquors, coffee, and readiness. End of chapter 42. Shall it be?